Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 6 a.m. Central Standard Time. It is the 11th of March, 2021. This is episode 382 of Bitcoin. And I got this tweet thread from El Sultan Bitcoin, which is at El Sultan Bitcoin, E-L-S-U-L-T-A-N Bitcoin, all one word. It's pretty good. If you're not following this guy's account, um, you probably should because uh, he gives these little nuggets of you know, wisdom about Bitcoin and essentially what, what ends up being Bitcoin in the third world, because he's from Venezuela. And Venezuela is one of the top countries in Latin America that I watch when it comes to Bitcoin adoption. And uh, there's some dollarization stuff going on that I, I reported on earlier this week, but that that is not what this is about. This is This is a story from way back in the day, at least in Bitcoin terms, uh, from 2009 and 2013. And it's kind of a sad story, but it's it's poignant, okay, as to why Bitcoin matters and losing faith in the United States financial system, even if you're not living in the United States. That's how far-reaching the dollar is. And when you've got an entire military that is purpose-built to export the dollar and not freedom, you get stories like this. Okay, so this is a small thread, but still it's 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 very much worth it <clears throat> 2009 to 2013 i had to visit more than 15 attorney offices in the united states went to the fbi more than five times all thanks to a united states bank that took my family's savings during the 2008 crisis more than 1000 transactions were issued via atms in colombia to empty our account we went to the courts against uh, SunTrust Bank. Funny how law works in the United States. The bank set against us more than five attorneys, always leading the case to be extended until we had no longer enough money to defend our own rights. It's not cheap for a Venezuelan family to do this. In 2013, we met Daniel Cohen, a Jewish attorney from West Palm Beach. After he studied our case for five months, fell in love with my family and only charged us for coffee. His words, quote, you have to stop. Law is unfair in the United States, especially for immigrants. This was the moment when I truly started losing faith in the United States system. Conclusion, Bitcoin use cases do exist and I don't choose it to be that way. I'm extremely thankful to the pseudonymous artist that saved my family's wealth don't ever trust banks or hedge funds. All right. So that's just, <clears throat> that's sad, but it's indicative of at least two things. You have a system where a bank just can freeze your account. Um, 
can literally, once that account is frozen, especially if there's not all that much money in it, just no longer has to really care about that account and just forgets about it until you bring it up. <clears throat> and then when you do bring it up, it's worth the money that they spend on the lawyers to fight this is much more than the money probably spent out of that account. All right. So they're actually losing money on the deal. You know, at least in this case, I mean, I don't know anything. I've never met El Sultan. I don't know anything about his family. I have no idea how much money he lost and I don't want to know. I don't even, I'm not even going to ask him those questions. Why? Because it's none of my damn business. But I'm making assumptions here that he probably, his family probably didn't have all that much money. And the amount of money that they spent on five lawyers for whatever period of time that he was talking about was probably, I'm going to say 10x minimum, the amount of money that they uh, allowed to be stolen from their family's accounts. And that's what they do. So they don't they they close your account because they you don't hold the keys to your account. It's not your money when you deposit it, especially to a US bank and most banks around the world are like this. You 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 give up ownership of that money. They say you own it, they say it's your money, but this demonstrates quite the opposite. It is not your money, not your keys, not your coins. All right? You got to keep this shit in mind. And and the fact that they will set $100 an hour to $900 an hour lawyers against you. You can't combat that. So what does that say about the United States legal system? And what remedies could there possibly even be on something like this? <clears throat> well, I mean, I'm not a socialist. I mean, I, I don't really know <clears throat> what I am because I, I don't think I'm a libertarian. I'm not a Republican. I'm not a Democrat. I'm not a communist. I'm not a socialist. Honestly, is is there a name? Is there a political name for somebody who just wants to be left the fuck alone? Is that a thing? Can that be a party? Leave me the F alone party you know, of the United States? I don't know. I wish it would would be, but here's my take on this. <clears throat> I believe that if... If you're in, at least in the United States, I believe if that you're a bank, if you're somebody sizable and you have in-house or, you know, uh, legal representation that costs like, you know, a ridiculous sum, like over 200 bucks an hour, right? Because most plebs can't afford that shit. Um, then if you're going to sue, if you're going to set a team of lawyers against a family like this, then you need to buy the exact same amount of lawyers for the exact same amount of time uh, for the family to fight you. Because uh, this isn't law. What this is, is I've got a shit ton more money than you do. I don't have to worry about the law. All I have to worry about is can I pay these lawyers? And if I can, I'm going to basically outlawyer you until you're dead. And the whole thing just goes away. Now, life isn't fair. I get it. But dude, th th you're not using quote unquote law the way that we think law is. I mean, essentially, you could just delete all the delete all the lawyers and all the court case or all the, the court hearings on something like this. Just cut a giant check to the United States Justice Department for them to write a single letter to El Sultan that says, fuck off. You might as well have just done that because that's all we're letting 
happen. Now, I hate to start this day out on such a you know sad note, but this is why we Bitcoin. Okay, and it doesn't mean that we're going to, you know, like completely get rid of our ability to have to deal with lawyers and shit like that. But at least we have the ability to not allow the whole thing to, to erupt in the first place. In this case, if they had been able to not allow those, the family, El Sultan's family had been able to not allow the closure of their account by their own means, none of this would have happened. None of it. There would have, lawyers wouldn't have been involved. He wouldn't have to spend so much time going to 15 different attorney's offices and, and call and go to the FBI five times. All that time would have been saved. The, 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 amount, the amount of money would never have left the account. They would have been able to have access to the account. That's why I Bitcoin. I mean, of all the things in the world of why I Bitcoin, this is it. I don't want somebody just being able to tell me that, you know, I don't know. I don't like you anymore. I'm going to close your account. I'm going to make sure that, I, and then I'm going to, I'm not only going to close your account, I'm going to keep it open for hackers, but not you. Uh, so if you're wondering, if you're one, if, if you need to explain to what Bitcoin is to somebody, maybe this is a better way. Instead of saying, well, there's these miners and then there's these full nodes and Satoshi Nakamoto wrote this eight page white paper and it was really, you know, fuck all that. Just say what Bitcoin is, is a way for nobody but you to have access to your account. And then maybe that piques their interest because then the first question should be, how the hell does that work? Oh, well, let me tell you about how, let me tell you about the, the white paper. Let me tell you about full nodes. Let me tell you about mine. Then get in it from there. Tell them El Sultan's story. All right. If, if somebody's asking you questions about why, why Bitcoin, tell them El Sultan's story. Yeah, it'll probably be effective. Now, another story to tell is who is fast becoming my favorite troll on, on Bitcoin Twitter, Peter Schiff's son moves 100% of his portfolio into Bitcoin. And if you didn't see this erupt on Twitter yesterday or somewhere else, buckle up. Helen Parts is going to tell us about it from Cointelegraph. Spencer Schiff, the son of Goldbug and major Bitcoin critic Peter Schiff, seems to have decided to move all of his portfolio investments into one single asset, Bitcoin. Quote, my son went all in on Bitcoin on the last drop below 50K. 100% of his portfolio is now in Bitcoin. Goldbug Schiff announced Wednesday on Twitter the famous Bitcoin skeptic specified that his son sold the last of his silver stocks for cash. Schiff went on to express concerns over the investment of the younger generation, stating, quote, If my own son is this brainwashed, imagine how vulnerable most kids are. He's hodling to infinity or bust. End quote. The crypto community has widely welcomed the announcement, as you can imagine, with many people expressing confidence that the 100% Bitcoin investment will make Schiff's son richer than Peter Schiff. Quote, at least someone in your family is growing their wealth this year, Morgan Creek Digital uh, co-founder Anthony Pompliano subsequently wrote. In response, Schiff said, I need to disinherit him. Otherwise, he will squander my hard-earned wealth on more Bitcoin. Schiff also emphasized that his own portfolio is not limited to gold and that the vast majority of it comprises equities. Okay, that doesn't make any sense. I thought he was a gold bug. Why is he not holding the majority? You know what? 
I get tired of hypocrisies, so I won't even get into that question, but let's continue. Despite Schiff's criticism of his son's decision to go all-in Bitcoin, Schiff himself apparently played a big role in this decision. Apart from regularly tweeting about Bitcoin, Schiff was one was the one who initiated the idea of Bitcoin birthday gifts for his son on Twitter in 2020. Schiff subsequently insisted that his son <clears throat> was investing in Bitcoin against his advice. A vocal critic, Schiff claimed in 2019 that Bitcoin would have never hit $50,000 following Bitcoin's coins rally up to 57,000 in February 2021. Schiff admitted that a move up to $100,000 cannot be ruled out either. Yeah, well, whatever. So <laughs> now here's, here's the theory. <clears throat> as I as I don my tinfoil baseball cap, uh, it it hasn't it hasn't missed me because of a few people tweeting the same thing yesterday, specifically about this this development that Peter Schiff is in cahoots with his son because Peter Schiff has been such a critic he cannot reverse he cannot reverse his uh, what he's been saying uh, because he'll lose all credibility he's the way Peter Schiff is and how long he's been going after Bitcoin, there's no way that he could reverse. So what does he do? He goes in league with his son, makes a faux, you know, a faux fight between him and his son where his son is able to invest in Bitcoin and therefore Peter is safe. Get it? Like Peter's funneling his his cash to his son so that his son can invest in Bitcoin so Peter doesn't have to lose face and also have exposure to actual Bitcoin. All right. Now, I think that's a little a bit far-fetched, but not really impossible. Now, moving on to the damn stimulus. This gives me a stimmy every time I read it. What Biden's $2 trillion stimulus package means for Bitcoin. Uh, Scott Cipollina is writing this one for Decrypt. Uh, okay, so let's find out about what the stimulus bill is. Uh, yesterday, the House approved Joe Biden's ambitious American rescue plan, uh, a $2 trillion stimulus package. The bill represents one of the biggest government interventions into the American economy since the World War II. It doesn't quite hit the $2.2 trillion heights from March 2020's pandemic response package, but it's still more than $787 billion in support issued in the wake of the 2008 financial crisis. So where does Bitcoin fit in? Quote, we believe there is a good chance that at least some of this money will find its way to the flagship cryptocurrency or perhaps even other altcoins, Jason Dean, Bitcoin analyst at Quantum Economics, told Decrypt. One of the major reasons for this line of thinking is Bitcoin's appeal as a hedge against inflation. The decline in the value of the U.S. dollar has been good for Bitcoin's investment cases, digital gold, an asset that can't be devalued by a government stepping in to print more of it. And since the stimulus package was passed by the Senate on Saturday, <clears throat> Bitcoin's price has risen again, crossing the $55,000 threshold. To be sure, it isn't clear whether Bitcoin's recent price bumps directly correlates to the United States STEMI, and the question of a correlation between Bitcoin's price moves and macroeconomic events remain up for debate. If you ask Ingo Fiedler, co-founder of the Blockchain Research Lab, the short-term increase in Bitcoin may have been a small speculative reaction to the STEMI, but Bitcoin has already been on the rise recently, accelerating during the COVID-19 pandemic and may be set for another influx of new investment. Quote, 
With more USD entering the market, asset prices are likely to increase further. This affects all kinds of asset from real estate, securities, art, and also cryptocurrency. It is effectively a devaluation <clears throat> of the USD against all other assets. Fedler or Fiedler isn't the only one suggesting more people will look into Bitcoin out of fear of a devalued US dollar. Shui Cheng, CEO of crypto index provider CF Benchmarks, predicts more institutional investors will pivot to Bitcoin as a result of the Biden STEMI package. Quote, this high inflationary backdrop will likely push many long-term investors, especially institutions like pensions and insurance funds, due to their exposure to long-term rates to invest in assets that are not exposed to inflationary pressures such as cryptocurrency, Chung told Decrypt. Indeed, institutional investment in Bitcoin appears to be going global. In just the two days since the STEMI was passed in the Senate, Chinese app maker MeToo and Norwegian multinational Acre ASA have added Bitcoin to their balance sheets, joining firms such as MicroStrategy, Square, and Tesla. But institutional investors aren't the only group flocking to Bitcoin. Twitter accounts like Bitcoin Stimulus, that would be at Bitcoin Stimulus, are telling people what previous stimulus paychecks would now be worth if they had used it to purchase Bitcoin. According to the Bitcoin Stimulus account, the April 2020 STEMI package uh, or payment of $1,200 <clears throat> would have funded the purchase of 0.18 BTC. At today's Bitcoin price, that would be worth almost $10,000, which is an increase of approximately 725%. One thing that's clear is that many STEMIs uh, recipients are looking to invest their relief funds rather than spend them. A recent Deutsche Bank study suggested that 50% of 25 to 35-year-olds plan to spend their stimulus checks on stocks. <laughs> stocks, they only go up. The bank also noted that more than half of their surveys respondents had invested some of their previous stimulus money in the stock market. Meanwhile, the U.S. dollar has continued a strong performance through the STEMI package weekend and has grown 1.7% in value since February 25th. But despite fears of currency inflation, the theory behind the STEMI is that it will kickstart the American economy. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen suggests that the bigger risk to the economy is not doing enough to help the many small businesses already failing across America. And honey, this shit ain't going to do it either. All right. I don't, you, you, and she knows, she knows it's not going to help small businesses. It may help them for like a week. But honestly, dude, there, no, no. Uh, <clears throat> anyway, continuing on, many er everyday Americans are set to receive fourteen hundred dollars. Uh, that are. Let me try that again. Many everyday Americans set to receive $1,400 stimulus checks agree with Yellen's assessment. They don't have time to worry about currency devaluation. Quote, my worries about inflation are much less than what happens to people if we don't do this. Ian Bellis, a resident at in central Ohio, told Decrypt, adding, quote, this is not just print whatever money we need. This is to get me and my family to the other side of this. You know, you don't want to see what the other side looks like either, pal. Biden's bill was approved by the House of Representatives on Wednesday by a vote of 220 to 211. As the Democrats hold the House, it was expected to pass without much controversy. The bill now goes to the president to sign, which is expected to happen on Friday. Quote, this legislation is about giving the backbone of this nation, the essential workers, the working people who built this country, the people who keep this country going, 
a fighting chance, President Biden said in a statement. All that's left for President Biden to do now is sign the American Rescue Plan into law, which he is expected to do, yes, uh, yes, on Friday at the White House. Okay, and I'm sure it'll be with fanfare. <clears throat> and I'm also sure that a meme will come out, much like the Trump showing, you know, the, the Trump thing where he's showing the signed bill or whatever, and you basically put whatever it is that you want on it. I cannot wait. I cannot wait for that meme to jump back up. This time it's Biden holding the damn thing. Now the mooch, bro. Anthony Scaramucci is only focused on Bitcoin. The big dog. Scott Cipollina is going to tell us about it. Skybridge Capital Hedge Fund co-founder Anthony Scaramucci has moved on from his brief time at the Trump White House in 2017 and into crypto. In an extensive interview with Decrypt, the former White House communications director explained why he's gravitated toward Bitcoin and for now only a Bitcoin. Quote, I am singularly focused on Bitcoin, Scaramucci said. I am going not going towards Dogecoin, Ethereum, other cryptos or digital assets. I'm with the big dog. The Wall Street investor and SALT conference founder points out that Bitcoin makes up the vast majority of the market capitalization of all cryptocurrencies. It's 12 years old. It has been subjected to 8,300 different competitors to try to knock its block off, and yet it sits there at the top. That's good enough for me. In other words, Scaramucci sounds like a Bitcoin maximalist, though that's become a loaded term in crypto circles. That makes sense, given that Skybridge's capital crypto fund, which skyrocketed to $370 million in its first few weeks, is solely focused on Bitcoin. Undoubtedly, Bitcoin has, at least to date, proven to be a successful asset in for his, for his company, at least. Since January the 4th, when Skybridge's Bitcoin fund officially launched, Bitcoin is up from $31,000 to $56,000, a percentage increase of near 80%. But Scaramucci has other reasons for believing in Bitcoin as well. Much of the reason Bitcoin is is the focus of Scaramucci, for now anyway, is that he finds it hard to combat mainstream fears around crypto investing. It's been hard enough to bring investors around to Bitcoin, let alone the thousands of altcoins that are out there. Skybridge sees Bitcoin as having the best chance to make its way into the portfolios of everyday investors. Quote, for right now, the number one goal is to try to convert people from crypto naysayers or people that are effectively, in my mind, short crypto. Uh, just getting them into Bitcoin, I think, is going to be hard enough. You've, you've heard the acronym FUD, fear, uncertainty, and doubt. Well, we manage money for a lot of fuddy-duddies. <laughs> Damn, Mooch, that's a little, <clears throat> a little lame there, pal. To do his part pushing Bitcoin into the mainstream, the Mooch says he uses information saturation banging the Bitcoin drum again and again and again and again. To this end, he and Skybridge COO Brett Messing host regular live chats about Bitcoin, the ups and downs of the asset, risk management, and the introduction of new corporations like MicroStrategy and Tesla into the space. <clears throat> Quote, I'm one part parakeet and I'm one part woodpecker, and so I can peck at your brain with with great levels of persistence until your head explodes, the moot said, adding, quote, and I can say the same thing over and over again with great enthusiasm. But for all of Scaramucci's eagerness to push Bitcoin, he hasn't shut the door on expanding his crypto focus in the future. Hopefully, you'll invite me on your podcast in six months, 12 months, 18 months from now, and I'll have a different view where we'll be able to move into other coins or other crypto ideas. God, I hope not, man. I'm so sick of the other shit. 
For now, Scaramucci and Skybridge are strictly Bitcoin bulls. In a conversation with Decrypt in January, Messing suggested Bitcoin could go as high as half a million dollars if institutional investors kept pouring money into the cryptocurrency. I will be surprised if we don't get above $100,000 in the next 15 to 16 months, Messing said at the time. Bitcoin's high remains $57,000. Scaramucci would like to see Skybridge's private Bitcoin fund converted into an ETF. In January, Messing told Decrypt that a Bitcoin ETF threatened to put Skybridge's Bitcoin fund out of business. But now that Canada has seen the establishment of two, actually now three, Bitcoin ETFs, the first of which raised $400 million in its first two days of trading. Scaramucci hopes that the U.S. can follow Canada's lead with an ETF and that Skybridge can get in. Quote, so the good news for us is we'll very much uh, be, so be in business. I think they said still be in business, but whatever. I'm, I'm seeing lots of errors in these stories lately, but whatever. And I'm looking forward to getting our clients into an ETF, he said. If I can get that conversion, I think people are going to be very happy and we expect to do it. Okay, so you ain't the only one, though. Grayscale. Uh, Grayscale's coming next. And I don't want you to think that the rest of the show is going to be a, a, a Grayscale show, but there's a lot of news about Grayscale going on. Now, there's one thing about the ETF portion of, of what, what the Mooch Man is saying here. Um, he's right. And you can see it with Grayscale because Grayscale's trading at a, at, at, at a uh, discount, right? Not a premium. It's trading at a discount. And apparently it's trading at a discount uh, that, uh, to the point that it's caused them to do some things, which we'll, we'll get into. But what I want to say is that <clears throat> they're going to have to convert into an ETF and, because none of this shit would have happened had Canada not had the foresight to go ahead and launch not one, not two, but three Bitcoin ETFs. All right, so we are grossly behind as 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 a United States citizen. I'm like looking at the SEC, going, "What what are you doing?" All right, so now Grayscale, it, it, I think that they're going to end up converting to an ETF because they're going to have to because they're a closed in fund. And I talked about that shit on yes, you know, yesterday's show. Well, Scaramooch, I mean, I was in I was in Durango when I was listening to his interview. I think it was with Marty Bent or somebody. And he was talking about the fact that he was going to have to change over to an ETF and cease being a closed-in fund because an ETF was just going to eat his lunch. But he wasn't sad about it. He just knew that this this was just the natural progression, the natural evolution of this type of asset class. So with that said, I I expect that we will see ETFs this year. I, I don't see, I don't think the SEC at this point in time, I don't see them having the ability to not do it any longer okay and the other thing is that i want before we move on here what i want to say about this uh this sentence i will be surprised if we don't get above a hundred thousand dollars in the next 15 months or even half a million as institutional investors keep pouring money into the cryptocurrency and when i read that it immediately made me think of ph buffering and i'm i don't know if i should get into this but I don't know if you guys know what P what buffering is, but like <clears throat> if something is a really, really good pH buffer, okay, then that means that that thing can keep a stable pH even though you're pouring something rather acidic on top of it or something rather basic into the system. And at one point or another, <clears throat> another the buffer breaks. It can only absorb so much. 
before the buffering capacity of like, let's say you're throwing it into like, let's say that I've got a, a pH buffer liquid. It doesn't matter what's in it. And let's say that it has a pH of seven, which is right at neutral, but it has a high pH buffering capacity and I start pouring acid into it. Even though I'm pouring acid into it, the pH is not rising as much as if I was pouring acid into straight up water because of the buffering capacity of whatever chemistry I've got going in there. I'm starting to I'm starting to look at all these people and they keep dropping cash into Bitcoin and yet I'm not seeing the moves that I would expect to see in Bitcoin to the upside which leads me to believe that Bitcoin is actually acting as a fiat buffer or it has a buffering capacity for itself so that it can absorb much more bullshit money than you can possibly imagine before it starts swinging to the upside. But at one point or another, buffering capacity of, of buffering systems will break. And if we break to the upside, holy shit, because when pH buffering breaks, it's almost like you never had any buffering before and all of the acid that you poured into something all of a sudden presents itself to the party and says, hey, your pH is now, you know, 0.4. It's so acidic, it'll eat, chew your hand off or something like that. So keep that in mind. Is The question is, is it possible that Bitcoin is acting like a buffer against fiat money coming into it? And when, and when will it break? And if it does break to the upside, what will that velocity look like? Because it's usually pretty dramatic in chemistry. Just saying. All right, now let's start with the, some of the grayscale stuff. Israeli asset manager doubles its 100 million Bitcoin investment in two months. Andrew Fenton is writing this one for Cointelegraph. I wonder if he's Bruce's brother. Huh. Uh, Israeli... Israeli's Al-Chishur Shaham investment house has doubled its money after tipping $100 million into the grayscale Bitcoin trust late last year. It's the only Israeli institution to have invested this magnitude of funds into Bitcoin so far. The news follows increasing institutional interest in Bitcoin internationally with reports on March the 7th that Chinese tech company MeToo had become the first Hong Kong listed company to invest $40 million into cryptocurrency split between Ethereum and Bitcoin. Israeli's Globes publication reported that the firm acquired the GBTC shares in late 2020 when Bitcoin was trading around $21,000. Co-CEO, founder, and co-owner Gilad Altshuler told the publication, quote, the $100 million investment has become $200 million, and of the $200 million, we have already sold about a third of that. Oh, you shouldn't have sold, dude. He added, uh, quote, this is a new investment for us. It took a few months until we got all the relevant approvals and all the opinions that approved our investment in the field, end quote. The Globe's reported, uh, report stated that the investment house currently holds around $150 million worth of the cryptocurrency, with the firm noting that it may add more. Quote, it depends on the price. We were a little intimidated by the speed with which Bitcoin reached these prices with its global market capitalization crossing the $1 trillion mark, and that worried us a little bit. Oh, you got scared and shaken out of your position. Poor little baby. Now, so that was, they were selling some of their grayscale trust shares to do this, okay? Let's continue with the grayscale story as it halts trading of GBTC as the fund trades at a discount. This was written by Darius Z yesterday for BTC Times. Asset manager Grayscale halted trading on Grayscale's 
tr Bitcoin Trust, the world's largest publicly tradable Bitcoin investment vehicle. The webpage describing GBTC on Grayscale's website now displays the following message. Quote, the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust private placement is offered on a periodic basis throughout the year and is currently closed. End quote. I'm going to halt right there for a second to note that one of the listeners advised me that that message has been on Grayscale's uh, uh, webpage since February, like since mid-February. But it's basically saying, you know, basically it just says that it's either currently closed or currently open, but that that this little message box has been there for a while, but right now, currently closed. While it's not clear why the company decided to close inflow to the Bitcoin trust, the decision was made soon after the trust began, began trading at a steep discount to the value of the underlying Bitcoin. According to YCharts data, the GBTC trading price fell to a low of 11.5% below the fund's net asset value on March the 4th. Currently, GBTC's discount is just over 3.2%. This is the first time that GBTC is traded at a discount in the last five years. The price of GBTC shares often become disconnected with the fund's underlying value. In 2017, GBTC traded at up to 132.6% premium compared to the price of Bitcoin held by the trust. It is also probably not coincidental that Grayscale recently began hiring exchange-traded fund experts. Unlike the ETF, the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust has no redemption mechanism. The website for Purpose Bitcoin ETF, a recently launched Canadian Bitcoin ETF, reads, quote, An ETF provides a more pure exposure to Bitcoin, and the structure better reflects what investors are looking for to track the price of Bitcoin. Unlike ETFs, closed-in funds cannot quickly add or remove units to maintain consistent exposure. An ETF has a robust creation and redemption processes that allow <clears throat> exposure to expand and contract as necessary to accommodate demand, end quote. On Greenhouse, a hiring platform, Grayscale's page shows that the company has posted openings for nine different ETF-related positions, including the creation and redemption specialist, a compliance officer, and a few other ones that are related to ETFs. Uh, Bitcoin ETF products have not been approved for trading in the U.S., but it's clear that the demand is there. All right, so, so there you go. At this point, the discount has bitten them so bad that they're not even allowing, you know, people to, to buy in or or sell out or they they just rather they just closed it right for right now that kind of that's a good signal that i think people are getting really antsy about having a, a united states etf and we're going to get into more about that here in a second but before we do that i think it's about time that we run the numbers CNBC.com forward slash futures and commodities has energy prices all in the green. Actually, dude, almost everything's in the green. You'll, you'll figure it out. 1.18% swing to the upside for West Texas Intermediate. <clears throat> $65.20 for a barrel. Brent North Sea is 1.27% to the upside. $68.76 per barrel on that. Natural gas is up a half a point. $2.70 for a thousand cubic feet of that. All the shiny metal rocks doing well, but gold doing the least well of all of them at 0.48% 
swing to the upside. $1,730 is going to get you an ounce of that. Silver's doing better, 0.63 up. Uh, platinum is doing even better, 1.5%. Copper's doing the best at 2.08% to the upside, and palladium at one6 to the upside follows the shiny metal rocks. Now, uh, indices are all in the green, 0.32 for the Dow futures going up. Uh, S&P futures look like they're going to be up 0.68%. NASDAQ futures point, or actually 1.73% to the upside, so they're going to have a banger day. S&P mini is up 0.5%, and all of the bond interest rates are up except for the euro three-month bond, which is unchanged. So the bond market is still basically smoldering over there. Now, uh, real money, we have $56,000 or $56,170.60 for Bitcoin as a price. Uh, that's going to be my high. And my low is, again, uh, this time is actually over at GDAX at $56,071. So not a whole lot of room there to move. 329,700 transactions performed in the last 20, 24 hours gives 13,738 transactions on average per hour with uh, 500 and, well, I'm sorry, uh, 514,409 BTC being sent in that 24-hour period. That's 21,500 BTC being sent on average per hour with the average transaction value of 1.5 BTC and the median transaction value of 0.018 BTC. Block times are high, 10 minutes and 26 seconds. 0.79 BTC being taken in fees on a per block basis and 109.9 BTC being taken overall in the last 24 hours. 3% swing to the upside on hash rate brings us back to 155.5 exahashes per second. And what is Doge doing? Five and a half cents. It doesn't make any sense. But Bcash is still, yeah, Bcash is still uh, under 100x the value of, of, of Bitcoin. I mean, or rather Bitcoin is over a hundred times more valuable than Bcash. Remember when Bcash was supposed to take over Bitcoin because it's the real Bitcoin. Yeah. You remember that it's I hope, I hope it'll be a passing memory soon, but for right now, we are still over $1 trillion in market capitalization. In fact, it's $1.04 trillion in market cap, and that has eaten up 9.18% of gold's market cap. We can now buy 31.9 ounces of gold for one Bitcoin, and there are 18,650,761.34 Bitcoin in the money supply. Right now, there's 37,000 transactions waiting to board at 89 blocks so that we can clear that out. And I don't think the mempool's been clear like all year long. I don't think we've got, I don't think we've dropped down to zero. I think we're, I think, I think Matt may be right. We may never see the mempool clear again. Now, the Lightning Network, we have 1,132.8 BTC in there, and that's $63.3 million worth of capacity over 3,000, or no, 9,399 nodes with 39,044 channels. And uh, Tor capacity of the network, of the Lightning Network, has ticked up to, again, 54.1% of the Lightning Network has run over Tor nodes, containing 612.9 BTC and 3,827 nodes. That's going to do it for vitals.
Welcome to part two of the morning roundup. Check this shit out. We had just stopped talking about grayscale. We're going to start talking about grayscale again, but this is how bad people want an ETF in the United States. It's, I, I can't, I can't even begin to wrap my head around the fact that people are scrambling like this to figure out any way they can to get something that resembles an ETF because the SEC is just dragging their feet. Tanzil Akhtar tells us about it from Coindesk. Uh, let's see, what's the headline? Because the headline's really gripping here. Uh, planned ETF would invest in Grayscale's GBTC to sidestep SEC's crypto reluctance. That's how bad this shit is, guys. A new exchange-traded fund proposal seeks a way to allow institutional investors to get involved in the world of cryptocurrency, even though the United States has so far blocked every attempt to list a Bitcoin ETF. According to a prospectus filed with the United States Securities and Exchange Commission on Tuesday, the Simplify U.S. Equity Plus Bitcoin ETF would invest in cryptocurrency indirectly via the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust, as well as equity securities of U.S. companies. Up to 15% of the fund from New York-based Simplify exchange-traded funds would be invested in Bitcoin solely through the $35 billion Grayscale Bitcoin Trust with the remainder in equities. If approved, the ETF would trade on the NASDAQ under the ticker SPBC and have a management fee of 0.5%. BNY Mellon would be the ETF's administrator, transfer agent, asset custodian, and accountant. In its investment strategy section, the Simplify Prospectus states, quote, the fund expects to gain exposure to cryptocurrencies indirectly by investing up to 15% of its total assets measured at the time of investment in a wholly owned and controlled subsidiary, which is designed to enhance the ability of the fund to obtain exposure to cryptocurrencies consistent with the limits of the United States federal tax law requirements applicable to regulated investment companies. In quote, the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust is the world's largest Bitcoin fund offering. Yeah, we know what it offers, dude. The latest figures show Grayscale's investments currently has $42.1 billion in net assets under management across all of its cryptocurrency trusts and funds. The SEC has yet to approve a Bitcoin ETF, having shot down a host of hopefuls in recent years, most recently Van Eck and a few other ones. Canada, on the other hand, recently approved not one, not two, but three Bitcoin ETFs, all of which are listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange. So the Canucks basically dragging uh, our faces through the mud and laughing at us all the way to the bank, literally. Now, speaking of, this is the last grayscale thing, but this shit's important because all this stuff is coalescing around grayscale. And I really believe that with all these pressure points, uh, Barry Silbert's going to end up converting grayscale into an ETF. I do believe it's going to happen this year. But I do think it's going to be grayscale. I do think it happens this year. And I do think it's all going to be because the pressures are just mounting. I mean, hell, even DCG is eating its own dog food by buying grayscale stuff, right? Grayscale is owned by, by DCG. Yet here we have grayscale parent DCG buying $250 million worth of GBTC. Amazing, isn't it? Tim Copeland tells us more from Decrypt. Investment firm Digital Currency Group plans to buy up to $250 million of shares in the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust, according to a press release. The trust is run by digital asset manager manager Grayscale Investment, which itself is owned by DCG. Talk about eating your own dog food. 
DCG will be using its own cash to purchase the shares, gaining indirect exposure to the price of Bitcoin. Each GBTC share corresponds to a small amount of Bitcoin, but the shares can trade above or below the value of the underlying asset. So DCG has a long track record of investing in companies across the cryptocurrency space, including Bitcoin firm Blockstream, blockchain analytics company Chainalysis, and crypto exchange Coinbase. It has not previously announced any direct investments in cryptocurrencies or funds tracking crypto prices. To a degree, DCG is jumping on a trend of companies investing their cash holdings into Bitcoin, although it's not holding Bitcoin directly. Cloud service provider MicroStrategy kicked off the trend last year and now owns 91,000 Bitcoin, which is worth $5 billion, by the way. Payments company Square and car maker Tesla have also followed suit, buying $120 million and $1.5 billion of Bitcoin, respectively. Now, the boost <clears throat> to Grayscale's Bitcoin trust comes at an opportune time. With the recent addition of alternative Bitcoin investment vehicles, new investments in B GBTC has largely slowed to a halt since late January, according to crypto data provider CryptoQuant. At the same time, Grayscale's premium, the difference between the shares and the underlying Bitcoin value, known as the NAV, has turned negative. It's currently at minus 8%. The negative premium may have an impact on the crypto investment market, you think? The premium led to an arbitrage opportunity between the value of buying GBTC shares and selling them six months later after the lockup period expires at a premium. This was commonly done by hedge funds, according to investor Raul Powell and Bitcoin lending firm BlockFi. God, BlockFi's in the shit, ain't it, folks? I don't have anything on that one today. You'll, you'll have to look into the BlockFi yourself, but I, I highly recommend you Google what's going on with BlockFi. You'll, you'll figure it out from there. The lack of arbitrage will see crypto investment firms looking for alternative ways to secure returns on their investments. Okay, so DCG buying its own dog food. You've got the other hedge fund or ETF proposal that isn't really an ETF, but they're so desperate. Well, it is an ETF, but they're so desperate to have a Bitcoin ETF that they're gonna actually have to go buy grayscale closed-end funds that have exposure to Bitcoin so that they can get exposure into their, into their ETF. That's how bad it is. Because the SEC absolutely refuses at this point to just say, okay, you guys have wanted one since the Winklevi said something in 2015. We've crushed everything from their fund to Van Eck three times and we're just going to stop. And if they would, were to do that, it would probably be off to the races. And that's probably why they haven't. They just don't want to see Bitcoin skyrocket. But they don't have a lot of choices left. Canada's got three. We have none. Dude. And honestly, if you got somebody was saying, what's the difference between the United States and Canada? And I'm like, well, the, Canada's a lot like the United States. It's just a lot cleaner which isn't exactly true. It is cleaner, but it's not exactly true that we're a lot alike, right? Especially right now with Trudeau being a, a like a born again socialist. It's actually kind of scary. But coming back to the story, that's how bad this is. Like this this fund wants to open up and, and and just start buying GBTC shares. DCG is getting direct exposure because it can't. There's no ETF for DCG to buy into, so they got to buy their own dog food. Everybody wants an ETF, so the SEC needs to get off of its ass.
And again, I'm going to close this part out by saying, I do think an ETF is going to happen this year. I do think Grayscale is going to convert the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust close-in fund into an ETF because and they're going to be the ones to get first approval because they've probably got a whole bunch of work already done on it. And these nine hires that they want that are all related to the ETF are just to formalize that shit. And they probably already have been talking to the SEC. And the SEC says, you, you get that paperwork done and we're just going to stamp it. We can't wait any longer. I think that that's what's going to happen. Okay, Ethereum miners are plotting a little revolutionary coup here which I find funny. Now, I don't normally try to read holy things, you know, whole stories about Ethereum, but come on, this is this is going to be fun. Samuel Haig, tell us more about what the miners are planning to do with Ethereum EIP 1559. Some Ethereum miners are trying to drum up support for a demonstration of force to show their opposition to the impending implementation of EIP 1559. Amid the backdrop of ever-escalating Ethereum fees, the Ethereum improvement proposal seeks to replace the network's existing bidding-based fee market with a fixed price and burn mechanism. However, the EIP, which is scheduled to go live in July, will significantly impact revenue of miners. Some analysts estimating Ethereum miners could lose up to 50% of their profits. So to signal their opposition to the proposal, some Ether miners are now planning a 51-hour show of force for April the 1st, which is April Fool's Day, by the way, so we'll have to see what happens here. Miners intend to direct their hash rate to uh, to the 1559 opposed pool ether mine for 51 hours on April the 1st. Some apparently hope to harness more than 51% of the hash rate. <laughs> see what's being intimated here? If that were successful, the pool would command enough mining power to make a unilateral change to the network's protocol. In a video streamed live on March the 9th, popular YouTuber Bits Be Trippin' discussed the planned hash power redirect, describing the proposal move as a benevolent show of force. Quote, part of the risk display here is not to attack the network, it's to show that force projection is possible, end quote. The YouTuber sought to placate concerns that Ethermine could the newfound hash power to attack the network, claiming there's no incentive for them to do so. Quote, what it's showing is that if you have a misalignment of incentives, you can get the network into a position where a would-be attacker could put a price point out there, pay a lot more for that hash power that just got kicked off, and now you have a situation where you could have a double spend or a block reorganization, he said. On March the 5th, Cointelegraph reported that Ethereum's core developer announced EIP-1559 would be implemented in July. Many Ethereum proponents from outside the mining sector celebrated the news, including Hassafly, which I don't know why he he ended up being the turncoat that he is, but he's all, I guess he's all in ETH now, guys. Apart from keeping a lid on fees, part of the appeal of the proposal is that it could end up lowering the Ether supply. Appearing on Tim Ferriss's podcast yesterday, uh, Ethereum co-founder and co-author of the EIP, Vitalik Buterin, emphasized the proposal's burn mechanism could result in more Ether being destroyed than created, creating a bullish dynamic for Ethereum. Quote, if demand to use Ethereum is high enough, then there would actually be more ETH being destroyed than is being created. And so the joke that I would sometimes make is, 
if Bitcoin knows if fixed supply is so is sound money, then if you have a decreasing supply, does that make us some ultrasound money? End quote. Oh, it's so sad to see somebody just totally miss the point of all this. Previous analysis has estimated that more than 1 million Ethereum would have been burned between October 2019 and 20, October 2020 if the EIP had been live at the time, equating to roughly 1% of the crypto asset circulating supply. Oh, what? So somebody actually calculated Ethereum's circulating supply? Please. Oh, I noticed that that's not actually, that's not being linked to in this, in this piece. So uh, no, they don't know what the circulating supply is. So you don't know that it's roughly 1% of the crypto asset. And, and honestly, Samuel, that was a little bit misleading because you know that nobody knows what Ethereum circulating supply is. We also don't know what the cap is. The only thing that we do know is, is that it had a pre-mine and that it's built a scam machine of proportions be uh, hitherto unknown to humanity. So here's here's my thing about this. I hope that they do attack the network. I hope they do raise 51% hash power. But even if they don't, I think what's going to end up happening is that they're just going to move over to Ethereum Classic. And Ethereum Classic is going to end up taking market share from Ethereum. And then the stakers are going to find out that they don't have enough stake to be able to do what they want in Ethereum. And it's going to be a gigantic shit show over the next decade. And it's going to be so much fun to watch. This is why Bitcoin <clears throat> bill, to ex ex bill to exempt crypto from securities laws are reintroduced into Congress by Warren Davidson. This article, however, is by Jeff Benson from Decrypt.co and says, is the third time a charm? Representative Warren Davidson uh, from Ohio has reintroduced the Token Taxonomy Act, a bill that would make certain cryptocurrency tokens and other digital assets exempt from United States securities law. <clears throat> this represents the third attempt made by the Ohio congressman to get the House of Representatives to take up the issue. He introduced it in late 2018 at the end of the legislative, legislative session before reintroducing it with minor tweaks in 2019. The legislation has never been scheduled for a vote in the House. H.R. 1628 would amend the Securities Act of 1933 and the Securities Exchange Act of 1934 to exclude digital tokens from the definition of a security. This is not going to pass, by the way, guys. It is, it's just not. Because if he does this, this is, I like Warren Davidson, but oh my God, if, if he makes all this bullshit not a security... Dude, it is open season. It is open season on the poor, witless, and the stupid out there who have way more money than IQ. I'm just saying, it would also make crypto-to-crypto -crypto transfers tax-exempt. That is good. And change the tax structure for cryptocurrencies held in individual retirement accounts. That part is good. Congressman Darren Soto of Florida, one of the co-sponsors of the bipartisan bill, said it would add critical definition and jurisdiction to create certainty for a strong digital asset market in the United States. According to a press release from Davidson's office, it may be now or never to establish a regulatory framework for cryptocurrencies in the United States, something that industry players have repeatedly said is lacking. 
Yet the bill itself, though endorsed by the nonpartisan blockchain association, could produce the wrong kind of regulatory clarity, according to some. A federal definition of a digital token might run into opposition from states that have created their own rules around cryptocurrency securities, such as Wyoming. Moreover, according to Gabriel Shapiro, a lawyer specializing in securities, it would make it very difficult for states to regulate any aspect of digital token sales other than full-on fraud. And how do you even begin to define that when, when these tokens would not be classified as a security? Quote, to call this an insult to states' rights would be putting it very mildly. He told Decrypt in 2019, the legislation has been revised since then. The bill is referred, has been referred to the House Financial Services and House Ways and Means Committee. All right, all they really need to do to make this thing fly is to pull out uh, the, all cryptocurrencies not being securities and do everything else. And, and lit, lit what is a security and what is not a security, leave that shit up to the states. I think that that would be a pretty good compromise. But me being, I would love it if I could just use like, you know, the tax, well, I don't need the crypto to crypto tax deference, but it would be nice to be able to like buy a ticket to BitBlock Boom and not worry about triggering a tax event because I'm using Bitcoin. That would be, that would be swell. I hope to see that sometime in the near future. But some people still feel that they've missed the Bitcoin boat. In fact, one in three investors feel that uh, their future is to have fun staying poor. Almost a third of UK investors said that they would not invest in Bitcoin or other cryptocurrencies because they feel they've missed the boat. According to a study published today by the Parliament Street think tank, no relation to the UK legislative organ, Bitcoin has seen gains of 630% in the past year, and a quarter of those polled revealed that they would have made over 1 million pounds or $1.4 million profit if they had moved all of their assets into Bitcoin at the start of 2020. The independent survey, the Great Cryptocurrency Report, polled 2,000 United Kingdom consumers in the, uh, in the final week of February 2021 to gauge their investment plans amid the economic uncertainty released by the coronavirus pandemic. Over a third of the survey respondents said that they expected the price of Bitcoin to rise even further this year to 50,000 pounds or $70,000 and 18% predicted a 100,000 pound valuation by the end of 2021. <clears throat> Some 29% said that they would never have considered investing in cryptocurrency before the most recent Bitcoin bull run, which has been buoyed by PayPal's plans to introduce the cryptocurrency to its platform and the entry of institutional investors such as Tesla and MicroStrategy. Almost a quarter of the respondents pinpointed Elon Musk's Bitcoin endorsement and said it had given them more confidence to invest in cryptocurrency. In February, Musk's Tesla purchased $1.5 billion in Bitcoin, leading the cryptocurrency to surge from $39,000 to a high of $43,000 in just 20 minutes. Yeah, I remember that. That was a fun $10,000 candle, according to CoinGecko. In contrast, traditional assets such as stocks and shares were perceived as too risky in the current economic climate by 37% of the, of the investors. However, 52% said that they are still more likely to invest in traditional assets such as gold, stocks, or shares rather than cryptocurrency. And 55% 
said that they have no plans to invest in cryptocurrency this year and will have funds staying poor. But the picture is markedly different among investors who already have exposure to Bitcoin. Another smaller survey of 100 wealth managers and institutional investors shared with Decrypt by London-based crypto fund Nickel Digital Asset Management they found that 85% of respondents already holding Bitcoin plan to increase their exposure to the asset over the next two years. The FOMO is real, but not by Bitcoiners. It's not FOMO. If you're already holding and have been holding, the reasons that you're buying it is probably very much different than somebody who holds none of it whatsoever. Think about that and think about what those differences actually are. So let's say that you've been in since 2016. What is it that you know? Think about all the things that you know about Bitcoin versus what nobody else knows about Bitcoin. Be, it's actually kind of frightening to think about when you think about it. That's going to do it for the morning roundup. Terrible Joke Corner brought to you by Dad Says Jokes. What happens when you put your hand in a blender? You get a handshake. Hey, if you want to give me a hand with this show, it would be nice if you went over to iTunes uh, and gave me a five-star review. Say some nice things about me and then share share the show out to your friends, family. I mean, shill the living shit out of it for me. It's time that you spend that you'll never get back. And that's why it's important to me. It's not just important for the show. It's the fact that some people will go out of their way to take take their time that they'll never get back. Show me some love and share the show, like, subscribe, and then give me a five-star review. And all of that is really, not only is it really helpful, it's really appreciated. I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.